Blog Talk Radio. perspective of Ayn Rand's philosophy. Ayn Rand's philosophy of objectivism is the only philosophy that promotes, supports, justifies the right to the pursuit of your own happiness. I'm your host, Amy Peekoff, and joining me here as usual is cartoonist Bosch Faustin. Welcome, Bosch. Hello, everyone. And first thing out, I want to thank everyone who has filled out the little survey that I sent out. I first sent out a link to a survey that I put together using SurveyMonkey to our show supporters and gave them first crack at it. And then I went ahead and you know spread the links on social media. And uh, over 70 of you have filled out these surveys. They don't take very long. I mean, really, I'm just asking for the traditional stop, start, continue kind of evaluation of the show a couple and a couple demographic questions. And that's it. So it should take you only a few minutes. If you have not yet done the survey, I have the link to it over at my blog under the program notes for today. So go to www.dontletitgo.com and check out the program notes for today's show and you'll see the link to the survey. Thank you. We have scanned over some of them. The, the Anonymously, answers are, too. I mean, yeah, it's an anonymous survey. So, so that, that's rip us and, and, I, and, us, and, <laughs> and I think that's why people were happy, you know, to Absolutely. fill it out and give us that feedback, which is to, which is wonderful. Yeah. So it's it's something we'll have to do more often, maybe a couple times a year or something, yeah. and, and see how they think we're doing. So we will be looking and collating and analyzing. I'm notice, noticing already that. You know, you get some people say that you should do A, and some people think you should do non A. Yeah, and so okay. you'll have to bear with us because, with respect to some of the parameters that people are talking about, we're going to have to make our own judgment. Um, and you know that you can never make all people all happy all no. the time. Uh, some people, for example, I think one person said, don't have as much small talk. Yeah. And it is kind of talk radio, so there is sometimes going to be small talk. And other people think, well, you've got to break up all yeah. this heavy stuff with some <laughs> more small talk and some more puns and right. make fun of these guys more. And then don't make fun of them. And then don't make fun of them <laughs> much. <laughs> so there's there's a lot of this going on. Um, the biggest thing, of course, is this issue of, well, does Bosch interrupt too much? And clearly, even Bosch, when he listens to the oh, show, yeah. says, okay, I interrupted too much. So... Definitely there will be less interruption, but at the same time, we want to keep the dynamic discussion going. You know what you could do, well, Bosch? Some people demanded more interruptions, so. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, who demanded more? Uh, everyone. I know some people said, keep, Actually, it, said, keep it where it is. They said, no, I, said, I don't mind. It's actually charming, so they want right. to be more charming. 
Meaning more disruption. Uh, well, that's what? your interpretation. You wouldn't you want, want someone, someone to be less charming, right? Anyway, go on. I don't, I don't think so. I just interrupt you. I don't think so. Uh-oh. So do go check that you out. I'm sorry. So I did interrupt you. No, no, no. De- de- definitely go, go fill out the survey and help us out, and we will be yeah, looking really at that time out. and making some adjustments over the coming weeks. You notice there are fewer program notes for today. Mostly it's because I want to spend more time talking about net neutrality, which is an important topic. Um, But also a lot of people are saying, hey, you know, you have so many stories and then you end up sometimes having to rush to get through some of them. So there's that too. But if you would like to talk about our main topic of discussion today or you know, keep in mind there's other things on the, on the list over there. Go to don'tletitgo.com, check out the program notes, and I've got a number of stories there. But net neutrality is our main target today. And if you'd like to join in the discussion, do so over here in the Blog Talk Radio chat room. I see some people are here. I was actually worried that some people might not be here at all. Of course, it is fewer people in the chat room than normal, and I would expect that. Why? Because your own brook is very mean today. Uh, he's not neutral. He decided to go There's ahead no and do uh, there. <laughs> <laughs> He decided to do a show in exactly on our, our, you know on our turf. We're doing a show Monday, 8, eight to 10. But I can't. It doesn't matter. I have a teaching I'll schedule. I'll do it. <laughs> You'll do it? I'm joking. I'm joking. We're not doing a show Monday. <laughs> Some people wanted more shows, so, yeah. you know, why not just pick that 8 to 10 a.m. slot on Monday? Whatever day you wrote has, we'll just pick that. Anyway, no, I I don't blame people if uh, there is some cool live action over there at the at the CPAC thing, but yeah, so that that's going on. But over here, I see Robert. Thank you for joining us, John Nielsen. Selfishness is here. And selfishness says I can listen to two shows at the same time. This is multitasking. Uh, one thing I would love to know for people who call in. By the way, if you want to call in, that is another way to participate. We love to talk to you. Seven six zero eight eight eight. 5817. Again, that's 760-888-5817. And of course, on the surveys, some people said that I allowed callers to go on for too long, and others said that I cut them off rudely. You're the the (laughs) least rude talk show host I've heard. And I listen to a lot of talk shows. I'm I'm not joking. It's, I mean, you're very, very... Yeah, now Tammy doesn't have regular callers, so to speak. It'd be interesting to hear her deal with callers and see how she does it. Uh, like some, some callers yeah. demand to be cut off at yeah. a certain point, but it takes a little while. There's a state defiance. There goes Bosch again breaking <laughs> in. Yeah. But yes, do call us up. Uh, one thing I was told, I just heard it through the grapevine because I don't call in my own show. And what I've heard is that there is no longer a menu that hmm. tells you to hit one if you would like to ask a question or make a comment. So what we might do at a certain point is go ahead and just try to unmute whoever it is who called in. Now, keep in mind, if I unmute and I try to talk to you and you don't want to talk, you don't have to talk on the show, um, then we'll just maybe hear some dead air. But this is a reason, if it's true that Blog Talk has actually taken away the feature of the little question icon that I can see that tells me that you're not just calling in to listen, that you would actually like, like to make a comment, if that's true, we are going to have to do what some people in the survey have been suggesting, which is look for a new platform. Because yeah. I really do need to see a differentiation of people who yeah. call in, those who would we'll like to, to call in just to listen, because I think that's a great feature. Oh, yeah. People can just use their phone or if they want to call in and talk. If you do want to ask a question, make a comment, come into the chat room if you're able to as well and leave a comment. But a lot of times people are calling in to listen because they 
don't you know they're not in front of a computer. That's why they're doing it. So it's it's really not a good situation if that's the case. So that's a bit of our housekeeping. There's two things that I want to do, and one of them is related, I want you to do, and one of them is related to the topic for today, net neutrality. As you know, the FCC is now taking it upon itself to regulate the Internet as a public utility. And while the you know FCC, the commissioners that are gloating about the fact that they've done this, it's not over yet, right? There's going to be litigation, but they're gloating. They are also saying, oh, you know, we're employing a light touch because we're, you know, classifying the Internet as a Title II utility is going to give us all these powers. We could do all of these things. We're, we couldn't envision doing those things with respect to the Internet. Not right now, at least. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're supposed to be reassured that they're, just, they're not going to do it right now. It's coming, okay? And if, the, if they're able... To yeah, exactly. Light touch. I thought of this cartoon of Bosch's when oh, I saw this. I, yeah, you sparked it. Yeah, we we yeah I mean, we we, sh- we should actually share it again. It's, can it's, can it's, yeah. you share it out again? It's a very old cartoon, yeah. two thousand nine. Yes. And uh, just just speaking of, of light touch, that the uh, yeah, that Obama said. says he you know he's in favor of using a light touch. Now it's it's not surprising because the origin of this particular FCC mysterious document that no one read. No American was allowed no, to read before no, this thing was passed. It had its origins in what they're calling a parallel FCC within the Obama administration. White House officials wrote this crap. So, of course, they'd go on and on about, we're using a light touch, you know. Light touch is an Obama-speak yeah, language. Literally, you know, it's like, oh, um, yeah, you know, I could have used my AK-47, but I'm just going to use my... 45 right, now on very, you. Very good. And and that's about all it is. It's still force. So what is, you know, really what we are looking at in the future is the FCC increasing, increasing more and more. Whatever they couldn't envision doing to the Internet today, they will easily be able to decide to do tomorrow, especially as the people seeking crony favors are going to start approaching them and saying, you know, Ah, you know, like, for instance, Twitter. I don't like that Facebook or Facebook. I don't like that Twitter. And, uh, you know, can you do something to help us with this? So I actually anticipate that it might be harder for me to get in touch with you and for you to get the message from me. So one thing I would ask you to do is go over to my blog at DontLetItGo.com. You don't have to do it now if you don't want to, but I would suggest doing it so you don't forget. And go ahead and subscribe to the blog. So if you go on the right-hand side at DontLetItGo.com and you scroll down and you see just below the Blog Talk Radio logo, uh, on my view, when I'm looking at my own blog, it says, you are following this blog. Yes, I follow my own blog. But on your view, does it say that you're following the blog? Uh, you could go there and manage it. And in particular, if you could uh, subscribe as an email subscriber, you know, email is maybe going to be a way that some of us are going to have to retreat to as and when content is going to be, what what are you, curated? Curated by the FCC? Is that the kind word for using guns? I mean, really, can we just talk about, you know, like the FCC is point guns at the content and making it go certain ways or not go certain ways? This is the uh, kind of thing that we are facing. So there's that. The other thing is we have been getting emails this morning about this mysterious 
project that we keep talking about and we've been talking about and talking about. And from what we're understanding, there are hard copies of actual contracts coming in the mail. And these may be the ones that we actually sign. So we're talking a week or two, maybe a couple weeks, three weeks outside where we'll be able to announce this project. So if you would like to be in on the cool web chat that we're going to have planned for show supporters, you want to donate and become a supporter of our show, just go to the blog, don'tletitgo.com, top right-hand side. Okay. You join us and discuss the, uh, quote, quote, the big project. The big project. Okay, we won't say anything more about it now. we nope. got we got to go into this because this is huge. Net neutrality. Um, you might ask, well, what more do you need to know than what Ted Cruz posted on his Facebook page the other day, which is that I think it's a 322-page document that they voted on and that we did not get to see as the one awesome outspoken FCC commissioner, Ajit Pei, is that how you pronounce his name? I don't know. He, uh, he said, you know, you have to pass it to find out what's in it, and that is actually true with respect to this document. As I said, this document got its origins in what they are referring to as the parallel FCC within the Obama administration. White House officials, Obama, they were not happy with the FCC chairman's Wheeler. You know, he was putting forth some sort of plan yeah. and they were not happy with his plan and they came up with an entirely new plan yeah. that took A more, more control, A more, more control over the internet. And they did not make that plan public before yesterday when they had this vote. Um, one thing that turned me off right away when I'm looking at that, I, I just went to the FCC's own press release about it. And you can see the link over at the blog at don'tletitgo.com right to that statement. Headline, FCC adopts strong, sustainable rules to protect the open Internet Open is, of course, 1984 doublespeak, right? Protect. Protect the open Internet. You mean shut down the Internet? They're going to preserve the Internet as a platform for innovation, free expression, and economic growth. Today they set sustainable rules, etc. Today the commission once and for all enacts strong sustainable rules you notice that word enacts, that they are enacting things. Since when does FCC, and not even FCC, we're talking three Democrat FCC commissioners who are puppets of whoever these mysterious, shady, parallel FCC figures in the Obama administration are. They are puppets. Yes. So they're enacting. This is inevitable. This is Obama's pen and phone writ large. Uh, the grounded, and you know, they're trying to stave off lawsuits because they know it's going to happen, legal challenges. It is grounded in multiple sources of legal authority to ensure that Americans reap the economic, social, and civic benefits of an open Internet today and into the future. Obama, you know, I went to the New York Times and Obama issued some brief statement about making sure all Americans benefit from the Internet. It is egalitarianism as applied to the Internet, just as Obamacare was egalitarianism as applied to medicine. And we know that all egalitarianism can achieve by trying to make everybody equal is destroying values. And that's what we're going to see here today. Uh, There is a six-page dissenting statement 
from Commissioner Ajit Pay, and he is awesome. I, I, yeah, the, my only you know stylistic complaint is that he maybe uses some of the catchphrases that have come through well, in politics. He, he is a bureaucrat still. Well, I'm better. No, but that's not what I mean. Like he, he overall he comes across as a Ted Cruz type, where he really knows his stuff. And he has an uncompromising tone in terms of, you know, being a supporter of freedom on principle. But he uses the phrases like, for instance, you have to pass it to find out what's in it and things like that. Maybe a little too much. Yeah, but yeah, but think about it. He's been fighting this for how long? And it finally go, goes through. So he, this is his <laughs> strong response to that. So I don't mind that. I mean, I don't. You mean the way he goes about writing this particular Just thing? just a little. I mean, that's just like in terms of a style. Otherwise, I really love his tone and his I love the, you know, how much support in terms of facts. I like the level on which well, it's written. Well, he's also everything. trying to equate it with Obamacare and how, you know what I mean? That's what is that is that what he's trying to do? He's trying to say, well, this is the same government takeover. Well, he's, he's def- now here's one formulation that I love and this is not anything that he uh, you know, adopts from anybody else. But, you know, like he'll say, for instance, you know, to paraphrase Ronald Reagan, President Obama's plan to regulate the Internet isn't the solution to a problem. His plan is the problem. You know, I'm here from the government and I'm here to help. He uses all these phrases. Um, so maybe it's a little bit too much. That's my only complaint about this guy. This is awesome stuff. Go read it. Go read it. I, I have a link straight to his statement as well. He works for the government, so I don't mind. I don't mind. I mean, he's not yeah. a activist. He's not a guy on a blog. He works. He's a government worker. So for what he's writing here, believe me, that's nothing. Here's um here's the summary statement uh, that he has, and I th- I really like this formulation. He says this order imposes intrusive government regulations that won't work to solve a problem that doesn't exist using legal authority the FCC doesn't have. Can you repeat that? Yes. This order, this FCC order that was passed yesterday, imposes intrusive government regulations that won't work to solve a problem that doesn't exist using legal authority the FCC doesn't have. And therefore, he says he dissents. And he says, you know, why is the FCC turning its back on Internet freedom? Only because President Obama told us to do so. And he goes on to talk about what this order is actually going to do in practice. He says, first of all, it gives the FCC the power to micromanage virtually every aspect of how the internet works. The first thing is this issue of rate regulation. And he says, for the first time, the FCC will regulate the rates that ISPs may charge. And listen to this, crony haters, it says they will set a price of zero for certain commercial agreements. Set a price of zero. So somebody's getting favors by having an ISP wait, you know, wait, it's price of neutrality. zero. What do you mean? It's, they're being neutral. Oh. What do you mean favors? Well, I mean, you know, this is the thing. that you know, Government, of course, is neutral. Yeah. And you are biased because you have the evil profit motive, right? The order goes out of its way to reject calls to forbear from this rate regulation and expressly invites parties to file complaints with the commission. So basically, we're going to regulate rates and if you disagree with us, screw you. He says, a government agency deciding whether a rate is lawful is the very definition of rate regulation. Now, supposedly, they say that they're not doing ex-ante rate regulation in the sense that you can't even you know, publish a schedule of rates or start charging certain rates without permission from the FCC. But it's ex 
host. And the FCC used this phrase about how that they cannot envision ex-ante rate regulations in this context. But he, you know, uh, Pay, he points out, he says, this says nothing of what a future commission could envision. So again, what is rate regulation? Rate regulation means government points a gun at private companies and says, you must charge rates that we find acceptable or you must not charge rates that we find unacceptable. And, you know, what you what are you going to do right now? I guess it's ex post, as they call it. And so you're an Internet service provider. You're going to try to anticipate what the FCC is going to find palatable, mm-hmm. as you put it out there. You're going to think twice. You're, you're going to try to guess. You, was, was, you know, hire some tea leaf people or something to stifle innovation. You know, figure out what which way the wind blows at the FCC today. There's also an FCC Internet Conduct Standard. This gives the FCC a roving mandate to review business models and to upend pricing plans that benefit consumers. And Pay, he says it right. He says, if you like your current service plan, you should be able to keep your current service plan. But this is probably not going to be the case. Um, There are a number of people who they buy cheaper what they call usage-based and sponsored data plans. Apparently, those are current targets of the FCC, and the people who are going to suffer are the middle-class and low-income people who buy these plans because that's what they can afford. He says, the FCC will have almost unfettered discretion to decide what business practices clear the bureaucratic bar. And this is also, he thinks, and and he's quoting the Electronic Frontier Foundation, good for them for opposing this, he says, potentially, the FCC order is going to give unfair advantage to parties with insider influence. So the idea, right, that if you went over to the Facebook page, by the way, there is a Facebook page for this show. So if you're a listener to this show and you didn't know there was a Facebook page, I know at least one survey uh, respondent didn't know about the page. There's a Don't Let It Go Unheard page on Facebook. for So just search on Facebook, Don't Let It Go Unheard. And you can see over there a kind of imaginary dialogue that I put forth where the FCC says, you know, hey, Mark Zuckerberg, we have been giving you favored Internet traffic status or whatever it is. Because, you know, the FCC says one of the reasons they're doing this, one of the things that they want to stop is the supposed blocking of certain content by Internet service providers, the supposed filtering of content by private companies. They want to make sure that all the content is treated fairly. Well, you know what content being treated fairly means? It's going to mean content in the public interest. So they'll go to Zuckerberg, who I understand, and and people in the chat room, can you tell me if this is right? Does Zuckerberg favor net neutrality? I mean, one thing, does this make it more likely or less likely that Facebook will have a major competitor? Uh, makes it less likely yes. for sure. And that's why the nature of these people, I mean, he's for big government, uh, Zuckerberg. He's a pro-Obama. Yeah. So on some level, these guys quietly said, well, rah, rah. Mm-hmm. You know, there won't be a, comp- a competitor for me. It's very, very possible. By the way, I like Robert. Unless Nas- they come out explicitly, then. Yeah. I like Robert Nasir's comment over here in the chat room. He says, we're employing a light touch, which is not reassuring from your proctologist, mugger, <laughs> child molester, or the FCC. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I don't know why I got into proctologists, but whatever. They got it. 
another common denominator. Your proctologist and the FCC both want to do an invasive digital exam. He's talking about Obamacare. Ay, ay, ay. The larger ISPs are probably going to benefit. Yeah, there's a definite, we'll get to that part of uh, Ajit Pei's statement where he's talking about the small internet service providers who are going to suffer, the bigger ones often. But I, I do want to know about Zuckerberg, reason being that if Zuckerberg is a supporter of this, I will no longer buy any ads on Facebook. I don't buy a lot of ads on Facebook, but every so often there's a post you know, over on the Don't Let It Go on her page, and I decide, okay, I think I'll just experiment, you know, promoting this post for a little bit, and I do it. So I don't do a lot anyway, but, you know, there's probably a lot of people like me who don't do a lot and who are opposed to net neutrality. So maybe we should, uh, if we got to find out what, where Zuckerberg is. I think the Investor's Business Daily accuses Facebook of being in favor of this. Now, the fact so, that he didn't come out against it, yeah, that almost gives it a big damn sign. Because mm-hmm. as far as I know, Mark Cuban is the only guy who really came yeah. out explicitly against it. Yeah. Mark Cuban. And, you know, this is this is one of the reasons, you know, and, and Zuckerberg, you know, he needs to learn what the consequences of, of promoting big government really are. So imagine the FCC commissioner comes to him and says, Mr. Zuckerberg, we have given Facebook preferred Internet traffic status or whatever they're going to call it, some euphemism of something. You know, whatever it is, it'll be worse than what it is. Public good content status. You know, they'll have some disgusting euphemism for it. And we've done it. Why? Because we think that Facebook provides, you know, a valuable public service and the public good. But, you know, we're... As if, as if that's a standard alone. Yeah, ma- yeah imagine this guy. We're, we're very disturbed that there's certain content that is not in the public interest. So, for example, the content on Facebook from Senator Ted Cruz that is, you know, anti, anti-public anti interest. Um, you know, this is very disturbing to us. So uh, we, you know, hope that you get our message. They force and their way to basically, the table. Yeah. I mean, we, we know that Facebook has the ability to curate feeds. And we also know that the FTC has already got its hooks into Facebook because of the so-called consent decree. It's like 18 years worth of supervision. So if that isn't enough with this net neutrality, there it's going to be disturbing out there. And that's why I don't think I'm overreacting to say, hey, if you want to keep in touch with us, make sure you do something that gets us your email address like over there at the blog. I won't spam you. If I do a campaign for something like the um, you know, the Evan Pagan Wake Up Productive program or something, you can always unsubscribe from whatever that campaign is. And I don't do stuff like that often because most of that stuff is not an interest or up my alley. Like, for instance, I couldn't sell you internet marketing stuff, which is like huge because I'm not an internet marketer. It's not my deal. Productivity and living the good life, that is my deal. So sometimes you might hear from me on that stuff, but mostly it is just to hear our message on this show. Um, so yeah, I, I worry about content as well, that that's going to be a huge thing. Um, are you going to be able to keep your plan? Probably not. That's what uh, Commissioner Pay is telling us. They're going to have almost unfettered discretion to decide what business practices are going to be approved by them. And then he says, I like this language, he says, although the order crows that its forbearance from some Title II rules yields a, quote, light-touch regulatory framework. In reality, he says, it isn't light at all, coming as it does with the caveats that the public has come to expect from Washington, D.C. He says, in discussing initial, additional rate regulation, tariffs, last-minute 
excuse me, last mile unbundling, which I'm not exactly sure what that is, but I can guess. Uh, burdensome administrative filing requirements, accounting standards, and entry and exit regulation. The plan repeatedly states that it's only forbearing, quote, at this time. They're going to refrain from pointing their gun at you about certain things, quote, for now. Now, that's my language, of course. He doesn't talk about the gun pointing stuff. He says, to be sure, they say, you know, that they can't envision going any further. But he says, assurances like this don't tend to last very long. Expect forbearance to fade and regulations to ratchet up as time goes on. Then he goes on to talk about why consumers will be worse off. Our bills are going to go up and our broadband will be slower. And he talks about new broadband taxes and how disgusting the FCC has been with respect to analogous taxes. So, for example, the universal service fee that is attached to our phone bill right now funnels about $9 billion each year through the FCC. And right now, the order says, well, they're deferring a decision on new broadband taxes, but he says it's figly forbearance. Why? Because the FCC has referred the question of these broadband taxes to the Federal State Joint Board on Universal Service, and it's requested a recommended decision by April 7, 2015, right before tax day. So you're going to submit your tax return. You're going to think that you have sort of a reprieve of an idea about what your tax liability, as they call it, is, right, what the ransom money is. Um, And then they're going to sock you sometime after April, perhaps, with a new broadband tax. Uh, He says it's no surprise that many refer, excuse me, they view this referral as a question of how, not whether, to tax broadband. Many states have already begun discussions on how they will spend the extra money, which is truly revulsifying. And here's uh, here, here's the translation from pay as to what this means. And he, he puts this in quotes. He says, but it's just, you know, his, his own facetious translation. He says, taxing broadband would make it easier to spend more of your money with minimal oversight. Yep. And he says, he says, we've seen this before. And he cites an example. There was an E-rate program in July 2014. The FCC secretly told their lobbyists, their cronies, then it would raise the universal whatever safe something fund right rate the tax rate until after the election to pay for the promises it was making sure enough in december right after the 2014 election in december they increased the e-rate spending and with it telephone taxes by 1.5 billion per year so these taxes are coming slower broadband is also coming why because there's going to be slower investment and innovation in broadband networks. You know, this regulation discourages investment. And he says, compare the broadband market in the United States and Europe. Europe is where broadband is already regulated as a public utility. He says, today, 82% of Americans have access to 25 megabits per second broadband speed. 82% of us do. See, it's such a problem. You know, the FCC has to solve the, the open Internet right? 82% of us have this. In Europe, it's only 54%. He says, moreover, in the United States, the average mobile broadband speeds are 30% faster than they are in Western Europe. He wants to turn us into Europe. This is what he's doing. Other people think, and I I mean, this is the kind of conspiracy theory behind, but I haven't seen any of this in in Pay's opinion here. 
Some people think that the Internet has to come under FCC control before Obama can go ahead and put it under the UN's control, that that's the, the that's next the step the, the next step in this. Uh, and then the other thing he says, and this is something, this is an aspect of it that is going to have just untold negative consequences. We have no idea how bad this is going to be for the Internet. The FCC is now welcoming, legitimizing litigation, right, welcoming litigation from individual claims about the justness and reasonableness of ISP pricing. So imagine they're going to have these huge class action lawsuits of people saying, oh, they charge me too much, you know. And how how many of us are not upset about our cable, you know, Internet service provider? They say, oh, you know, we're giving you lower rates than they would have. And they, you know, put it up 20 bucks a month or something. They have to vilify them. Yeah, that's what they're trying to. You know, yeah, they want it. They want to vilify the private. You know, the bad. Anyway, the point is, is now they're actually allowing litigation about this issue, which should be thrown out of any court that respects individual rights at all. I, I mean, what is more basic than the idea that somebody should be able to decide the price at which he's going to offer a service? to consumers, and that the consumers should be able to be free to take it or leave it. Now, thanks to Obamacare, consumers are not free to be able to take it or leave it. They must take something from that market, regardless of whether they even think it's worthwhile for them. And the you know, in the market for Internet service providers, and of course in Obamacare, the rates of the insurance is also regulated by the government on the other end as well, right? But now... Um, it's not that you have to buy Internet. We're not, at this point, being forced to buy Internet. Imagine if they go that extra step. But the rates that the companies are being allowed to charge are going to be controlled. And if it's not controlled enough by the FCC, hey, we'll just welcome some expensive class action lawsuits. The trial lawyers must love this. And as you know, pay sites, it's going to be a boon for them. And he says, these are just the intended results. He says, unintended consequences are going to come in. He says, there's fees that broadband providers from small town cable operators to new entrants like Google must pay to deploy broadband using things like utility poles. This is going to go up by an estimated 150 to 200 million per year. And he says, reclassification will expose many small companies to higher state and local taxes as well. So there's a number of consequences that come from this, and they are all bad. I mean, you can't get anywhere good by pointing a gun at somebody, no. and, and that's all that they're doing here. In Washington, for instance, he says that companies will face an instant 11% increase in taxes on their gross receipts. Gross receipts before you even take out your expenses. 11% increase in taxes on your gross receipts. Imagine those of you who own small businesses, what 11% increase in taxes on your gross receipts would do to you. He says all these new fees and costs add up. One estimate puts the total at $11 billion a year. And of course, that's just for starters. So the higher costs are going to, we're going to have higher costs for our internet, slower speeds. It is going to be less value for us. Now, do we want this? He says, no, they don't think so. There was apparently only one forum 
one actual forum where the FCC actually allowed audience members to speak or comment on these proposed regulations. Now, of course, who's audience members and what kind of who? You know, who is allowed to be there? Uh, what yeah. kind of audience? Well, I mean, it, it doesn't matter who was allowed to be there because the people who were there were not happy. It was the Texas Forum on Internet Regulation. So Texas is still probably a bastion of the American sense of life, even if it's not perfect. Uh, the consumers, what did they want? Competition, 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 says Pei. But he says, literally nothing in this order will promote competition. To the contrary, he says, reclassifying broadband is going to drive competitors out of business. Even Obama's own small business administration notes Pei. He says they're apparently acting independently. They admonish the FCC that its proposed rules would unduly burden small businesses. And then he talked about one example. There's a company in Texas called Alamo Broadband. It's a wireless ISP because if you, you know, you live out in the sticks, you ever thought about kind of shrugging and moving out in the middle of nowhere where you don't have to deal with a lot of people who don't share your sense of life? And you think, well, you might want to still remain connected to the Internet out there. Well, there's guys like Joe Portman who runs Alamo Broadband. And they call it WISP, a wireless internet service provider, serves 700 people. That's his whole customer base, 700 people across 500 square miles south of San Antonio. And my question for you is, do you think this guy can afford to hire somebody to untangle the mess of bureaucratic nightmare that the FCC is foisting on these people? No. What does Joe think of Title II? He thinks it's pretty much a terrible idea. And yeah, I'm not surprised. Other ISPs have joined the chorus. There's uh, 142 other WISPs that have chimed in on this. And they say that, you know, um, they're running on a shoestring budget. They have very few people to run their businesses, to install equipment, handle service calls. They have no incentive, no ability to take on commercial giants like Netflix, et cetera. And they say the FCC's, quote, new regulatory intrusion into our business would likely force us to raise prices delay deployment, expansion, or both, end quote. And these are the people who are providing Internet where the ones out there in the boonies or whatever, they have no alternative. And then it's interesting, he talks about what about the 43 municipal broadband providers? They told the FCC that Title II, quote, will trigger consequences beyond the commission's control and risk serious harm to our ability to fund and deploy broadband without bringing any concrete benefit for consumers or edge providers that the market is not already proving today without the aid of additional regulation, end quote. Now, um, I think on the day that they passed this yesterday or maybe the day before, they the FCC voted on something to, you know, basically preempt state and local regulation on these municipal broadband providers, so, you know, states or counties or whatever. But this is little consolation for them. But I'm sure that they, you know, oh, we hope that the municipal guys will be quiet. Now, was there any little carrot given to small businesses? No, but municipalities? Oh, they're government. They're like us. We'll give them a favor, you know. But yeah, he says there's special irony given that right before the vote, the FCC voted to preempt state laws regarding the city-owned broadband projects. Um, you know, but the the actual supposed beneficiaries of this, they oppose what the FCC is doing. They say Title II regulation of the internet is a tremendous mistake. 
And he says, the FCC, in terms of answering any of these concerns, you know, what if your ISP is not a Comcast, an ATT, a Google, or a Sprint? Your service is either going to be more expensive, maybe it's going to be gone entirely. He says, the FCC isn't even acknowledging them. He says, there's just the smug assurance that it won't be that bad. But also this idea that, nice. you know, the motives behind this, you know, they're going to be questioned also. So they're saying, well, it's a big mistake. Do you think they don't know it? Right. You know, they're not going here to make things better. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's not what they're doing. Nope. They're, nope. they're here to, as Obama's modus operandi is, F-S up. F it all up. Yes, Robert says. Get it under our control. As Robert says here in the chat room, net neutrality was never a legitimate goal so it's no wonder that what proponents got instead is a hammer to the head. I mean, what are right. they proposing, right? There's there's a couple di- there's a couple different things that they're proposing. And we're going to get into um, one more issue because he spent a lot of time here talking about the rates, the taxes, the fact that it's going to be a discouragement to innovation, that it might even put some of the small providers out of business. This is you know, kind of overarching financial aspect of it, which is horrible and crippling. And of course, if you are bleeding the financial side of this industry, it's going to have an effect on the ability to spread content freely on the Internet. Because what is the Internet about? I mean, the Internet is a tremendous marketplace for both goods and ideas. And to the extent that they are pointing a gun at anybody who is making all of this possible, they are going to be reducing the amount of traffic and content and abilities, you know, the people, and, and they know uh, you know, that, our ability to participate. They know that consequence yeah. and they don't care. And for some of them, it might be the point. Yeah. I mean, it might really be the point. It's like, you know, the, the, I think Obama referred to it as the information highway. They want to turn it into California traffic, the Internet. That's what they want. Like the 405, they like I drove on yesterday. Yeah. Progress. Kill traffic. So, you know, first overall, oh, those evil private companies are giving you unfair rate contracts. We'll save you and we'll tax everybody else to, quote, save you. So there's going to be a few people that Obama is going to trot out at the next State of the Union address, a few people who go, oh, he saved my Internet for me, and then all the rest of us are paying at least like 11% more for our Internet, and we're supposed to just, and we're going to get slower speeds, and we're supposed to just, Again, just to reiterate, you know, uh, the insurance it. companies were the problem. Now the Internet providers are right. the problem. That's right. the whole thinking here. So that is the first issue, right? And then the second issue that they're supposedly going to save us from is this issue of the internet service providers not treating the traffic itself fairly, the content that's moving over the internet. So here is Pei talking about that. And I actually wish he would have spent more time on this issue because it is the FCC starting to control the way that internet service providers can treat content that is perhaps even more disturbing than the financial aspect of this legislation. The financial aspect is going to have an effect on content as well. It does, of course, necessarily, right? There, you need money enabled, you know, to enable yourself to speak. And Ted Cruz has been so eloquent on this topic. You know, you, this idea that you can have free speech apart from being able to be free to spend your money on speech, right. you know, insofar as they are sucking money out of the industry, 
that enables so much speech to move freely on the Internet, they are retarding speech as such. But then there's this issue about the treatment of content, and this is where it gets really ominous. He says, the order ominously claims that, quote, threats to Internet openness remain today, end quote. He says, it argues that broadband providers, quote, hold all the tools necessary to deceive consumers, degrade content, or disfavor the content that they don't like, end quote. And it asserts that the FCC continues, quote, to hear concerns about other broadband provider practices involving blocking or degrading third-party applications, end quote. Now, when you when you hear this quotation coming, you know, that Pay is quoting the FCC's own statement about hearing concerns about other broadband provider practices, right? This is a crony. It would be crony, right? This is this is your Orrin Boyle saying, you know, that other guy is unfair. He has, you know, these practices that involve blocking or degrading third-party applications. Oh, the evil. And this is what Pei comes, I mean, he's excellent here. He says, he says, the evidence of these continuing threats, there is none. He says it's all anecdote hypothesis and hysteria. A small ISP in North Carolina allegedly blocked voice over internet protocol calls a decade ago. Okay. But I mean, you know, first of all, I'd say, well, what if they want to block that because it sucks up too much bandwidth and they're a small company and they can't handle it? Who cares? Um, but then he says Comcast capped BitTorrent traffic to ease upload congestion eight years ago. Apple introduced FaceTime over Wi-Fi first and cellular networks later. Oh, that's so evil. Isn't that evil? Oh, it's, I mean, it's frustrating for us, you know, if you want to use FaceTime and you couldn't, but, oh, you know, how dare you actually choose where you're going to release your services first? He says, examples, this picayune, which I, I don't even think I've looked up the definition of that word for a while. Can you look it up for me? Picayune and stale. I guess they're like really random and tiny. That's what I think of. Words, and stale. Yeah, I have. I don't use it. He says, they aren't enough to tell a coherent story about net neutrality. The boogeyman never had it so easy. Picayune and something trivial. Yeah, yeah. So I had it fairly. It, it sounds like, like, like the, what it like means. Like the bureaucrats. <laughs> they're, they're trivial trying to make themselves seem significant and important people and they're you know, they're in the world, they're involved, uh, they're not supposed to be. Right, right. Now, Verizon, says Robert Nasir, they published their response to this in Morse code. There's a link over here in the chat room at Blog Talk Radio if you want to check it out. He says there's a translation in typewriter print. Okay, we'll have to take a look. Um, are you able to get the gist of it, Robert? Does Verizon support this or oppose this? Are they suicidal or are they self-interested? I mean, really, this is what we want to know about our businessmen today are they suicidal or are they self-interested a lot of them are or you know they think they're self-interested but really they are thinking super short range a lot of them don't think and that's why they fall into this trap of saying this is okay yeah so he says that's the substance here's a few words on process and then he starts talking about that issue of the parallel version of the fcc and the white house people and also there was this there's a government-funded group fight for the future that itself was instrumental in getting Obama involved and kind of shoving out of the way whatever plan Tom Wheeler had been moving forward with, you know, because it wasn't enough control, obviously. Um, Also, the parallel FCC at the White House 
opened its doors to a plethora. This is, again, all from Pay's statement. Go check it out. And really, you know, remember last week there was the article about ISIS that Graham Wood published in The Atlantic, and we were urging, and your own urged also, that everyone share that. I would urge that people share this statement by Pay. Um, this is good, good stuff, talking about, you know, all the all the cronyism involved and how this, you know, so-called enactment this order this power grab is not what they're making it appear to be this this individual is the belly of the beast he knows a a, a lot more of the particulars he knows that they've been trying to forces on us for a while Mm -hmm. so his perspective is you know very very important he says the parallel fcc at the white house opened its doors to a plethora of special interest activists here is the list of cronies who got obama's ear you know the ear of him and his staff there, the Daily Cause, Demand Progress, Fight for the the Future, Free Press, and Public Knowledge, just to name a few. He says, indeed, even before activists were blocking Chairman Wheeler's driveway late last year, because they want him to take Obama's thing and be a puppet, right? Some of them had met with executive branch officials even before that. What about the rest of the American people? They could not get White House meetings, he says. They were shut out of the process. They were being played for fools. And then he talks about the document that's in front of us today differs dramatically from the proposal the FCC put out for comment last May. He says the American people to this day have not been allowed to see President Obama's plan. It has remained hidden. And he talks about, you know, there was a survey, 79% of the American people favored making it public, They were also under pressure from the Senate Commerce Committee Chairman John Thune, House of Representatives Energy and Commerce Chairman Fred Upton, urging the FCC to make this public, and they did not do it. Now, remember Obama was going to be the administration of transparency? It is exactly the opposite. And, And this is why you say, okay, we have all the makings of 1984 right now. We've got the doublespeak. Transparency means they're going to hide more things than ever, right? Open internet means we're going to be closing it using government guns, yeah. right? I mean, the, the the personification of the Obama administration is uh, a woman in a burqa. You don't know anything behind that. You don't know if it's a man. You don't know if it's a woman. You don't know what, what it is. And that's the whole purpose here. It's all to – and, you know, a part of their, you know, desire not to show anything is because they don't want it to be called what it is. It's not that they don't want – they don't want someone – with intelligence, who reads? Oh, this is a government. This is a government takeover of the internet. They right. don't want. They don't want the public to hear that. So therefore, if we don't show them, they won't know. Exactly. And he says he says we should have released this plan to the public. We should have solicited their feedback, incorporated that input into the plan, and then proceeded to a vote. But he said, and he also said there was no need for us to resolve this matter today. You know why is there this immediate crisis? And you know why? You know what their immediate crisis is. I mean, the only immediate crisis, first of all, I guess they want more money to spend. President Obama needs more in his slush fund because he's not able to get enough, you know, well, enough so, enough caving from the Republicans, although he's getting quite a bit, yeah, right? His, his days are numbered. Well, and that's the other thing. They want to do whatever they can Most to ensure that a Democrat wins in 2016. And the Republicans, having a majority in both the House and the Senate, are going to cramp the style. So they want to do anything they can, which is basically take over the Internet. Uh, The backers of the president plan, they know that the public wouldn't stand for it. Uh, They know the details of this plan cannot stand up to the light of day. 
Um, he says, even a cursory look at the plan reveals glaring legal flaws that are sure to mire the agency in the muck of litigation for a long, long time. He does think that the days of this plan are numbered, but who knows? We all thought that the days of Obamacare, the, you know, the days of that plan were numbered, and yet it was upheld by the court. One so, thing the Republicans don't know, just as an additional thought, that if they don't fight Obama up until the 2016 election, their days numbered. Who's going to vote for a party that doesn't fight this kind of takeover? I know. I know. I want to try this caller and see. Hi, did you want to speak on the show? No, I'm hearing hearing the noise and it's pretty bad, so maybe not. Again, I only did that because I heard that Blog Talk Radio no longer has the feature that if you call in, it's going to. But if you want to call in and comment on net neuter, as they're calling it here in the chat room, net neuter, that's perfect, 760-888-5817. Again, that's 760-888-5817 is the number. A former member of the FCC just to go over Block Talk Radio, and that's why we don't have that ability for people to call. I mean, everything now, every time that there's some sort of stumbling block in my way to get some content out to you guys, I'm going to think, you know, it must be net neutrality that's doing it. Oh, it's Leonard Nimoy calling from another universe, they say. Yeah, yeah. he just died. He just died today. And I had seen a story that the other yeah. day he was rushed to the hospital, so that's a very sad day. Um I mean, you know, Spock is part of my childhood, you know, watching all those reruns. It was great. All of ours, yeah. The, the Wrath of Khan in, in particular, but, the, you know, we can get we can argue about his uh, philosophy and whatnot. About, uh, you know, yeah. or the many uh, uh, outweigh the individual, whatever, but whatever. Freedom Breeze says government will become the biggest hackers. Yeah, they already are. Yeah. I mean, here is the thing, you know, if, and if you talk about what are the prospects for freedom of speech and privacy over a government-regulated Internet? What are your prospects now for freedom of speech and privacy yeah. over our government, government-regulated government phone service um, in terms of having any privacy with respect to your consumption of other utilities? No. And now they're even making it so that in terms of you know using the so-called public roads, no privacy because they have the little cameras taking pictures of license plates all over the place. If you have the little fast track thing on your car, it can track you all over the place, everywhere, every trip you take. It's like Obama's presidency is really to make things official. It's like whatever control government had in healthcare, whatever the, you know control, just wants to make it official. You know, this is, come on, we're in charge now. It's official. Enough of the pretense, okay? That's it. And that's really what it comes off like. So the, the FCC is going to regulate pricing, and it's going to regulate the ISP's treatment of content. And if they are regulating the ISP's treatment of content, they are regulating content. Yes. <laughs> That's what they're doing. They're using their gun. And I don't think you can think of anything worse, especially this is supposed to be the kind of least regulated area. It was the last I – mean, really, the Internet was the virtual Colorado Right. Of United States, right. and now they're they can't have that. and yeah, so they now that. now they're trying to to take it over. And the question is, are the legal challenges to to this going to succeed as Commissioner Pay uh, anticipates also, or no? You know, this uh, this governor is really uh, creating this anti-government attitude that a lot of people seem to have right now. I mean, to the point where they want to even control the language that is spoken about it. 
It's like, you stop calling us what we are. Right. We want to really find a way to cripple that. It, it is a huge kind of, you know, this, this whole idea of primacy of consciousness that if we can just think it, we can get people to think that this will be good, yeah. that this is fair, that this is, quote, neutral. And that's why they have then, to use the title because they mm-hmm. said, look, we're trying to take over the uh, Internet. So let's use a term that uh, doesn't say that. Well, and how about the sustainable? When the hell is sustainable? Oh, oh, oh people, no, like, people like that word. That you word know, is there a, was, a, there was a, a public opinion poll. People like sustainable because yeah, like it, it connotes the environmentalist energy, stuff. Yeah. It makes them feel good. Sustainable rules. Boy, we, we love that. Next and, guns, by the way. And then, of course, you know, they, they have to say in their opening statement, it's grounded in multiple sources of legal authority because, like, you know, don't you dare challenge this. This, isn't is, that, isn't that what, this is good isn't that and wonderful. Oh, yeah. Grounded in legal authority? Oh, of course, of course. Um, broadband providers, this is the FCC's own statement about what they've done. Broadband providers have economic incentives that, quote, represent a threat to Internet openness and could act in ways that would ultimately inhibit the speed and extent of future broadband deployment, end quote. You know, the Internet is a hope for having an, a quality education, for yeah. example, right? Yeah. One of the hopes for anybody who is seeking a quality education for themselves or for their children is to be able to get good content, true content, over the Internet. Again, if the FCC is regulating the ISP's treatment of content, the FCC is going to regulate content, right? Yeah. You know? There's Common Core out there. That's part of the federal government. Part of the federal government's mandate now is to ensure that every child in the country is held to the high standards in the Common Core. So if you have a homeschool curriculum, for example, that you're selling and part of it includes maybe watching streaming videos over the Internet, how do you think that content's going to be treated if the FCC really gets down to brass tacks, so to speak? And These are just some examples, you know, where it's oh, it's anti anti patriotic. It is, uh, yeah, you know, they have a foothold, so it's going to turn into a, a monster, which is natural. It's government, it's bureaucrats, bureaucrats. Those who don't like me calling these these scum what they are, they're bureaucrats. That's what they are. Don't store all your stuff only in the cloud. That's all I'm saying too. Hi, um, maybe backups are good, but you might lose your backups, and who knows. This is this, this anyway. I'm going to get myself too too depressed here. But you know, did we, um, you know, miss anything here? Uh, bright line rules. There's three rules. You know that that they the ISPs can't do. They're not allowed to block. They cannot block access to legal content, application services, or non-harmful devices. Who gets to decide what's harmful? No throttling. Broadband providers may not impair or degrade lawful Internet traffic on the basis of content application services or non-harmful devices. Now, I'm saying on a free market, why can't they do these things? Now, if you learned that your Internet service provider was actually depriving you from getting to certain websites, then wouldn't you switch providers? Yes. Yes. So why not? Why would they want to do that anyway? Well, and and Pei points out in his own statement that if they did these things, it would be a horrible marketing. They'd be out of business. Why would they want to be out of business? 
And here's the worst, no paid prioritization. Broadband, broadband providers may not favor some lawful Internet traffic over other lawful traffic in exchange for consideration of any kind. In other words, quote, no fast lanes. This rule also bans ISPs from prioritizing content and services of their affiliates. But the FCC, I bet they will be allowed to, and they already are being allowed to prioritize, right? Because the first prioritization that we saw is that certain commercial contracts are going to be priced at zero under this existing light-touch approach. They're also projecting here. I mean, they're imputing the um, motives of these Internet providers. Look at the government yes. and what well, they do. And, and look at the gall here, right? How could they even do this? They have a heading in this statement of theirs, the FCC, greater transparency. We this know is, what Obama transparency is, means. Yes. We know what it means. So, so oh, the ISPs have to be transparent, but we, the government, with the Again, legalized use of gun, they we don't have to be transparent. They themselves know they're up to no good. That's why they're using this language. That's why they're saying what they're saying. They know they just, they're like some villains who just, who just got, got, got in on something where they don't belong. They know that, and that's why they, they have to keep doing this damage control. That's why they didn't release what it was. That's why this one individual there with some integrity, even though he's a government you know, worker in a lot of ways, wanted to warn us about this. And he's been warning us for how long now? Almost a year, I think, this guy? Right. I think he's been telling us, look, it's coming, it's coming. Yep, yep. And I guess what – he would have done it anyway. He would have done it through Congress if they had retaken the House – and kept the Senate, that's what they would have done. They would have done it right through oh, Congress. It didn't matter. Right. They were going to get it. Oh, they're, go they're going to in encourage investment in broadband networks, they have the gall to say at the end, uh, to preserve incentives for broadband operators to invest in their networks. It's going to modernize Title II using the forbearance authority granted to the commission by Congress. Oh, Congress has allowed us to not point our guns sometimes. So nice. Tailoring the application of Title II for the 21st century. This is so revolting. Uh, encouraging Internet service providers to invest in the networks on which Americans increasingly rely. It forbears from applying utility-style regulation. Mobile uh, voice services have been regulated under a similar light-touch Title II approach. Uh, you know, investment analysts have concluded that Title II with appropriate forbearance is unlikely to have any negative effect. Who are these investment analysts? And which crony are they, and what what benefit are they getting? Also, yeah. also, this idea that the FCC approved its plot. You know I mean, like we approved, therefore it's all good. <laughs> we, well, I mean, yeah. We but, we we approved our plot against yeah, the internet. But I mean, Im imagine this idea that they think, okay, well, we can point a gun at productive people, right? And these productive people, right now, they are making decisions that will make them money. They want to make money. So they are trying to do things that will attract them, the customers out there. They're yeah, trying to provide. That's a bad motive. They're trying to make money. Right. The government here is just trying to what? But but they, but they think they can come in and tell these producers to do something other than the thing that is in yes. their best judgment right. to their benefit, right? To to. As if they have the right to. Right. And and but they think that they can do this with impunity. That. Oh, the effect won't be too bad. Well, There's some investment guys who we paid off and that they we can, can cite. Do it with you know? impunity, look at the GOP. The GOP has decided not to impeach Obama, not to go after him, not to do anything against him. So they're like, of course we can do this with impunity. Who's stopping us? Right. What, Ted Cruz? He's one senator. doesn't matter. So in one sense, they're right. You know, they, they've been proven right by no opposition. 
It's true. It's true. Freedom Breeze makes a good point over here. You would think that the NSA would want higher speed for all. Yes. That's right. The higher speed that we all have, (laughs) the more content that they would have for the collect it all. Or maybe, you know, they say, okay, well, we can't keep up with the traffic. FCC guys, can you slow it down? We're not able to collect okay, it all fast imagine, enough. I mean, I want to have a, an oh, audio that would be of, a good of the conversations. I'll be scum. Uh, I really do. Because that, to me, I mean, that just would bring it all to hell and just show it for what it is. Trevor says, um, yeah, Trevor over here says, one of the beauties of the Internet was anonymity. Now the government is control. Where is where's anonymous now? Yeah, I don't know where anonymous is. Anonymity will disappear. Do you think there's any way they're going to let us over a government-regulated Look, communication service be they anonymous? Want, no. want, want us, they want us to resign ourselves to this, and there has to be has to be something that happens that has to roll this back. And what that is, we can't even say anymore, it's the Republicans. They've shown themselves who they are and what they are. I don't know what, I don't know what we're going to do. NSA, but we have to do something. NSA and FCC, two sides of the same coin. Well, one thing that we can do is we can, assuming, you know, that, and let's go look, at, by the way, Investors Business Daily had a nice column, and it is, the Internet is import, too important. The Internet is too important to let the FCC wreck it. This is an editorial from Investors Business Daily. And they say, uh, if you think call waiting is an incredible innovation, you're going to love it when the FCC starts regulating the Internet like it's Ma Bell. For the rest of us, Thursday's net neutrality vote is a disaster. And they say, for 80 years, the FCC has regulated the telephone industry under its Title II authority. 80 years. The result was decades of crappy monopoly service, snail's pace innovation, and high consumer costs. Contrast that with the, you know, the freewheeling internet, which has seen waves of new services, faster speeds, and new competitors rush to the market. So when we see Wheeler say that the internet is quote simply too important to be left without rules and without a referee on the field, they say it makes us gag. That's actually what they wrote in their editorial. They say it makes us gag. First of all, they say there is a referee on the field. The re- hundreds of millions of referees, in fact, they're called consumers. Uh, you know that you the consumers are much better at keeping businesses in line than bureaucrats, right? But the FCC says, oh, we're going to allow those consumers to file class action lawsuits about prices. So aren't we awesome? No, no. The way that you actually keep businesses in line is in the free marketplace. And those businesses who don't provide value, they go out of business. That's it. Consumers have lots of choices on how they access the web these days, say Investors Business Daily. Even out in the sticks, there is often a choice of ISP. Uh, they say, third, Democrats on the commission keep warning that a lack of rules will lead to a two-tiered Internet and gatekeep- gatekeepers who tell us what we can and cannot do and decide, quote, where we can and cannot go online. He says, but they, these are just ghost stories, say the editorial board. Nowhere is, the, is there any evidence that any ISP has or ever would do such things. Why would they when such actions would prove to be a marketing disaster? Okay, so I made a mistake. I had attributed this to pay, but it was actually the Investor's Business Daily editorial board. That is an awesome. I mean, it would be. It would be a marketing disaster if it was released that, you know, for example, Comcast was actually, you know, blocking certain content from its customers. 
even if there was such harm being done, it wouldn't come close to justifying the land grab that the FCC has just in- engineered at the express urging of President, quote, fundamentally transform America, end quote, Obama. And then they say, this is, they say, the real shame in all this is that companies like Google and Facebook decided to abandon the very freewheeling Internet that made their founders billionaires. So it's Google and Facebook. So there are two things we could do right now. I don't know if you want to get off Facebook completely. Maybe you don't. But one thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to cease spending any of advertising dollars on Facebook, and I'm going to proclaim that loudly. Uh, If they are going to support net neutrality, no more ad dollars from me. So those of you who do donate to our show, and like I said, sometimes I selectively use ads, I will not be doing it on Facebook. The other thing we could all do is we could switch browsers. Google has a tremendously wonderful, awesome browser, but we could switch browsers and decide that we're not going to do that. Or you can make sure that you never click on any Google ads. I don't know. There's There are things that we can do to make our uh, you know make our thoughts known on this issue, get it out there. Besides, of course, if there are legal challenges, we can go ahead and support those. Now, I've got a couple calls here, one that I had tried before, and I don't think that the person wanted to talk. I'm going to try this. Let's see. Hello, you are on the show. If you'd like to speak, welcome. Okay, maybe this person doesn't want to speak either. Um, maybe I'll try one more second because I couldn't tell if the person was about to speak. Were you about to speak? No, it is quiet. Okay, I am hanging up. Yeah, this is the lack of this feature is definitely annoying. Freedom Breeze says that she's thinking of getting off Facebook, and I, I wouldn't blame you at all. Uh, the thing for me is it really does seem to be a good way to connect with friends and family. I mean, there is a value that Facebook has provided to us. And that's, I mean, even though we, the people who use Facebook, are in fact the product that Facebook is offering, right? Because it's access to us. It's the ads that they're displaying to us. But nonetheless, um, you know, the value that we get from it, we may at a certain point decide that the value that we get from it is not worth it. You know, all of us like to connect with our friends and family there. I like to connect with everyone here, there. There are you know, a lot of people. It's a good way to share content, to vent. Yeah. Uh, it's been a good way to vent about stuff like this, whether it will continue to be a, a good way to do that. We will have to make that judgment call as time goes on. But one thing for sure is I'm not giving them advertising dollars because that is one decision that I can make. Um, I could also just refuse to click on any Facebook ads. Right. You could do that as well. Boycott. Old-fashioned style, which I don't have any problem doing. I think I'll leave uh, Twitter and Facebook if I start tweeting and Facebooking against them. That's the point where you know, okay, I'm done here. Facebook succeeds because of the network effect. The value of Facebook is that everyone is on it. Yeah, that's really what it is. Use Facebook to have gentle, cordial discussions that advocate for freedom. Is that what you do, John? That I mean, that is a good good way to do it. Yeah, but... Look, I was lied to. Wow. It is here, the question icon. So I don't know what those people were saying. I am in a little group on Facebook of blog talk hosts, and some of them insisted that this feature was not here, and yet I see a question icon. Hi, who's this? Hi, I'm online. You are right now. Hello. Welcome. Okay. 
Uh, hi, Amy. This is Pratik. Hi. Uh, Thanks you, for calling in. Hi. Uh, yeah. Uh, could you please uh, tell us in what way is Facebook supporting net neutrality? Did Mark Zuckerberg say something? Is it like on their official thing, or is it just one or two people? I haven't seen anything, but I think it really is true that we have not seen a statement from Zuckerberg against it. And if you remember in the past, I mean, in the recent past, when when there has been some sort of a, a grab or something that Obama has done with respect to privacy, Zuckerberg would put out these detailed, sometimes very strong sounding statements of disagreement with the Obama administration and their privacy policy. Let me just... Uh, pop onto Facebook real quick and make sure that none of us have missed anything. But let me just... Uh, well, we would have heard. It would have been news. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would have yeah. seen the statement, I'm sure, in my news feed. Uh, all he says on February 25th, so he hasn't done anything since they passed this yesterday. No statement from him. And all we understand, investors seems to know that Facebook hasn't made any negative comment. Now, like I said, Facebook is in the grips of the FTC already due to that consent decree that they have with them. I don't know what kind of pressure they've already been able to exert on Zuckerberg. But One thing also, yeah. uh, Zuckerberg has Obama on dial. He can call him up. Uh, I would never be on dial with, with, with uh, Obama. No, I mean, right. So meaning they share a lot of values in, in common. Right. If you can just call them up, they share a lot of values in common. Yeah, so, you know, Pratik, I agree that we should look more into this and try to get a statement from Zuckerberg. What, what have you seen? No, that's what I was wondering. I hadn't seen anything. I mm-hmm. didn't even even hear anything from Google. Did anyone from Google say anything to this effect? No, but or, Verizon, you know? Verizon, Verizon did. Uh, has written, yeah, has said something against it. Find against that. net yeah. neutrality. Yes. Okay. What about AT&T? I'd like to know AT&T as well. So we want to see where the major players are on this. Now, AT&T was, were they the beneficiary or the kind of whipping right. boy under the Title II regulation of the phone companies? How right. would you... Maybe the beneficiary, so there there could be that as well. Um, no, I mean for me, I want to know, you know, who are the companies that are supporting this, and you know, we could do a little yeah. backup, you know, a little backup on this, right? I mean, you you agree about the no. importance of free speech? I think everybody who listens to this show is. That's what Verizon said. Verizon calls it FCC's Throwback Thursday. Move imposes 1930s rules on the internet. Wow. Go Verizon. Go Verizon. Wow, I like that's that I like that. I really like that statement. So it might be that Verizon is gonna be one of the litigants that's that comes good. into this. They use Morse code. Oh, they use Morse code to mock the net neutrality really. Oh, that's perfect. So that's what that meant. Robert, I didn't understand it when you posted it here in the chat room. I apologize for not getting it now, right. Verizon away. will be targeted now because they're the only ones who are standing up. That's what happens. It's like if you if you're the only one joining Muhammad, they're gonna come after you. Everyone. Well, knows. I mean, Verizon was thrown under the rug by the Obama administration, right? Oh, I think Pratik got yeah. uh, disconnected. So Pratik, I think you got disconnected. If you want to call back in, uh, go ahead and do so, and we'll put you back on. But we do. We have to find out what you know where these people stand. Get them to yeah, make some he, kind of a statement. He does come out on these things, and he didn't this time. Speaking of having Obama on speed dial, and yeah. this is just a random connection, but. Yesterday, I was thinking about, would I interview Barack Obama? And I've always said no, I would never want to speak to him. But I decided that I would interview Barack Obama. So Barack Obama, because I know you listen to my yeah. show, dude. Well, well, um, yeah. 
You're Barry. I would interview you if you agreed to answer one question, right? We know all the questions probably are screened by you in advance anyway. So here's the question. Do you believe in the right to the pursuit of happiness? And if so, what does that mean to you? Tell me what the right to the pursuit or you know, are there limitations on it? This is I think that would that an would be the okay, one thank question. You, Mr. President. Click. Yeah, that would be the one question. That would be the one and only question. We know he doesn't and what and okay, but he'll pretend he does and what is it? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So we need to Freedom to get government handouts. <laughs> we need to go back to um but by the way, go over to that Investors Business Daily, the the editorial that they have, and they talk about a list of all the regulations that the government has put on various industries and the damage that it has done. Um, and he says that they say specifically the tragic history of the FCC itself, and they have a list of all of the history of these regulations and the damage that they have done. Is this going to help the innovation economy thrive? No, they don't think so. In every in every case, they say the result was less choice, less innovation. And higher and, costs. And to when consumers. it happens every single time, that's the purpose. Then it's not like by accident. Oh, it didn't work out. No, that's the point of it. Yeah. That is, no matter what they tell themselves, that's the point of it. Control and bury. And again, there's two important things at stake here: the ability to freely express one's thoughts on the internet. Right. Um, we have a right, not necessarily to have internet service or fast internet, right? No. You can't be born with a right to something like this. But what you do have a right is to make sure that the government doesn't prevent you from using the internet to express your thoughts. Ex- being able to freely express your thoughts, to put products out there for sale, including, for instance, information products, right? This is one of the hugest markets in the internet right now is that we can sell, you know, Educational courses, information products, ebooks, all these things travel over the internet and are downloaded by consumers. This is a massive sharing of productive products, you know, or, you know, or products of our productive activity. It is a sharing of our information, our, our ideas. This needs to happen in order for people to be free to act on their own judgment. And if we're not free to act on our own judgment, we are not free to support ourselves, to live our lives. I mean, they are, again, you know, everything that government is doing in, in, by way of regulation is preventing people to the extent that they're taking control, preventing people from using their own judgment and acting according to their own judgment in order to sustain their lives by productive activity. So this is that's at stake. And then in the political arena, being able to achieve any kind of meaningful change in our horribly going towards totalitarian government, right? If we want to achieve change, if we want to, for example, get somebody halfway decent at least into office in 2016, a lot of the communication about that is going to pass over the Internet, right? Um, and there's there's many of us, too, who are on the Internet and we're not on cable, we don't even have cable no. television anymore. We you know we That's get right. we get content over the internet. So you know for us our ability to consume just even cultural products that give us rest and relaxation and inspiration. You know, that is, a, is going to be infringed. It is a cheap necessity of the internet, and therefore that's why they have to get their claws in. I mean it's it's it, it, it's a must now. Mm-hmm. I mean, we quote unquote need it. Therefore, okay, you need that. Like you need healthcare. Like you need health. Okay, boom, we're we're there. Right. Uh, did you hear about this? I mean, Mark, Mark Cuban has been ruling about mm-hmm. this on Twitter. 
You also said something about uh, what Iron Man will be doing today differently than what you did in Atlas Shrugged. And he says uh, that's one of his tweets, I believe. Yeah, if Ayn Rand were an up-and-coming author today, she wouldn't write about steel or railroads. It would be net neutrality. Yeah, so it would be some Internet service provider who is being treated like the railroad service providers in Atlas Shrugged. No doubt, no doubt that that would be true. I'm not sure if this is the same call. Let me see if this is Pratik again. Pratik, was there anything more that you wanted to say? Are we all... I didn't want to cut you off, and I think you got cut off unfairly. Are you there? Oh, hi. Am I there? Hello. Uh, you you are on again. So I don't know oh, if you okay. want to say anything more or if you got cut off maybe by the FCC's. Uh... Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, um, yeah, it was very strange. I got cut off, and I couldn't even see your number in the you know recent callers list. So definitely hmm. weird things happening. <laughs> And that yeah, that, that does. That that would really make me start to become a conspiracy. Well, not even a conspiracy theorist, because we know why. We're, I'm looking at the press release right here where they're talking about, hey, we're taking charge. So any anything more on this topic before we go? No, that was all I had in mind. Yeah. Okay. Well, I thank you for calling in, because I'm not sure. Have you called in before? If you have, it's been uh-huh. a long time ago. Yeah, I've once. Maybe once. Okay. We'll definitely do more if you if you can. I mean, I understand people have work schedules and things that don't necessarily conform to this, and this is something that we'll consider based on the, um, you know, the responses, the survey responses that we got in terms of do we keep the same time? If people said things about that, a few people talked about the the time of day, but we do thank you for calling in whenever you're able to do so. Particularly. I think uh, you know the the end game here is government internet, and we know what that means. Yeah. I mean, it's it's egalitarianism as applied to the Internet. So we have the government taking over the Internet. And as I said, you know, if they're regulating the Internet service provider's treatment of content, they're regulating content. And this is super disturbing because of the importance of free speech, both to the ability to produce and support ourselves, the ability to enjoy just the values that life has to offer, you know, everything that makes human life what it is, we can access on the Internet. There was, you know, one part of, uh, you know, Pei's statement, he talked about all the awesome things that you can do on the Internet, you know, the content that you can get and enjoy at the tip of your fingers. And, and your own Brooks talked about this a lot, too. It is enormously life-enriching you know, enriching invention. People try to dismiss it as it's just cat videos, and that's just BS. It is invaluable. Has become essential. If it was ways. just cat videos, the yep. FCC wouldn't be after exactly. it. The reason yeah. why is because it's essential now. No, exactly. It's part of our lives. So, so you know, we have them taking this over, which smacks of 1984, if anything else ever did. And earlier in the week, we had another example of an Obama administration lackey, namely our own vice president, using doublespeak. Here's the article. This is uh, February 25th on Washington Examiner. The headline is Black History Biden. Veep calls for the, quote, emancipation of people's wealth. Vice President Joe Biden used Black History Month event at his official residence Monday to decry the rich, both white and black, for stunting economic growth and suggested that, quote, emancipation is in order. Can you imagine, and this is what I was tweeting out, and I've got a, the tweet over at the blog at don'tletitgo.com, 
using this term emancipation when what he has in mind is enslavement of the rich of any race, apparently, uh, because you basically want to take that wealth. You know that wealth? You're accumulating wealth. How dare you accumulate? It needs to be freed. I think he's the first uh, retarded uh, vice president in American history. I do. He's morally retarded, mentally retarded. He's just not there. And uh, this is what comes of it. I mean, he, he's gone full Biden. Full Biden now. There's no more going back. And supposedly he wants to run for 2016. Now, I get, I dismiss that, but then I look at who's in power. I look at what people vote for, and I think it's possible still. On the, on the idea that he is actually stupid, listen to this. Well, he's, he's more than stupid. But listen, listen to this. This is really bad. A lot of wealthy white and black people aren't bad. But they control one percent of the economy. They control. No, wait, listen. But they control one percent of the economy, and this cannot stand. End quote. Now, I think his concern is not that these people control one percent. He, he's getting his, you know, kind of terminology and figures mixed up, right? He means that there are these people who are the top one percent. Yes. Now, the top one percent control a lot more than one percent of the yes, economy. If do. all they controlled was one percent, then there'd be nothing to grab. But all this idea of control, <laughs> as in they don't, they shouldn't control it. I should. Right. We should, because it's not about controlling. They ha- they earned their wealth. Right. They made their money. They control, quote unquote, their money, and he wants to control it. And that language alone, people who are wealthy, they don't think about I control my wealth. They don't. They don't speak that language. Politicians you, do. You know, if I actually watched this on TV, this would be the ultimate in cringe TV to have somebody passionately speaking before a group of people and saying, we have to emancipate the wealth of the top 1% or whatever, which he didn't manage to even say coherently. Emancipate, and that means stealing their wealth at a point of a government gun, which means enslaving them because you are taking the product of their labor. You are literally taking hours out of their life and appropriating it for your own projects, whatever those are. Uh, so I said I'd like to start and perhaps finish by emancipating his wealth, but then people reminded me that I guess he's not one of the most wealthy politicians out there. Well, again, uh, he's so dumb. I'd still like to do it. He's so dumb that he went. He's been watching for decades now. He hasn't been able to to steal as much money as politicians do. I mean, he has. He, that's how dumb. He, Which also shows he's dumb, right? Yeah. Exactly. So it's like exactly. he hasn't been able to <laughs> to scrape and get the loads of money that the, that the owes do. Um, got a couple other stories on other topics here, but again, we're always uh, happy to hear more about net neutrality or any other topic if you want to call in 760-888-5817. Just mm-hmm. joke Biden. I mean, really, that's, I think that, and he is truly, truly a vice president. A vice president. He really is. <laughs> it's true. It's true. But, you know, this double speak where they're talking about transparency in a document that is, you know, when, when referring to a document that's the least transparent ever, that's the FCC. Yeah. Open Internet, when they're talking about closing the Internet. I love it. Net neuter. Yeah. <laughs> Net yeah. neuter. That's perfect. It, that is exactly what it is. It's exactly what it is. Yeah. And it's like net neuter without anesthetic, yeah. basically. <laughs> no anesthetic neutering available oh, here <laughs> at the FCC. Come get it. <laughs> I mean, um, I guess you gotta laugh. We, we, you know, we're not even trying to. It just. Uh, Rob Abiera sent me a couple interesting stories, so I'll give you those. One is that Connecticut—they're having a fight over Tesla dealerships. Well, like, you know, uh, so so much in here that same retard is, is 
is really not PC. Yeah, I'm not politically correct. I ignore political correctness. And just technically speaking, retarded means slow or limited in intellectual or emotional development or academic progress. That's Joe Biden all the way. He's never been known for his intelligence. He's a vile creature who lives in Washington and tries to hurt you know, I, I actually do can. think he's losing his mind a little because well, those were those, those there were the pictures posted recently yes, yes. where he's like glomming yeah, on to this woman at an event at yeah, a public that's event. Ugh. A regular thing for him. He it looks really creepy. He's doing the same thing to a politician's mm-hmm. girl, a young girl, saying so, how beautiful she was. He might, he touching might, her. you know, and we could definitely talk in a more PC he's way not about it. There. But, but he might, he might actually have some mental disabilities. Yes. Um, inside Connecticut's fight over Tesla dealerships. If you know, Tesla likes to market directly to consumers, but of course, car dealerships, they want a piece of the pie. And so in various states, the crony car dealers have succeeded in banning Tesla's business model, which is to deal and sell cars directly to consumers without any sort of middleman. Uh, they say Tesla, and this is well, a... Don't they also get some government funding to some extent? Don't they get something? Tesla? Well, yeah. Tesla does get some yeah. probably because of the environmental the rules, nature yeah, of their yeah. product, so to speak. So yeah. I'm not I'm not exactly sure how completely non-crony Tesla is. But if they are, then it's coming back to bite them big because, um, you know, all, in all these states they're having these challenges. I like that Car and Driver... The blog over at carandriver.com is is talking about this. Tesla Motors, they say, has an unconventional sales strategy. Model S buyers deal directly with the manufacturer, typing the exact options they desire into the website, receiving their bespoke electric car at a later date. The current wait is about three months. It's an unprecedented variation on the traditional car buying process, one that was only made possible by the advent of online shopping, something that the FCC is going to curb now. So far, Tesla is the only automaker in the U.S. that sells directly to consumers. In large part, that's due to state laws that protect franchise dealerships. So in Connecticut, there's a state senator, Art Linares, and he's bullish on electric cars. 26-year-old Republican, started a solar energy company out of his family home when he was still a teen. Recently, he decided to buy this car and he says, I've always been a fan of electric cars. And, of course, all roads lead to Tesla if you're an electric car fan. I hear that they're awesome. He says, but he found out that in or order electric to, car. Yeah. In order to uh, test drive a Tesla, even just to kick the tires, he had to make a border run to a Tesla store in White Plains, New York. So it says, see why you can complete the entire purchase on the website. If you want to chat with a salesperson or stick your head in either of the Model S's twin trunks, you have to go to a Tesla storefront. And thanks in part to the state's car laws, there are no storefronts in Connecticut. Um, The company has a service-only facility in Connecticut at the site of an old Saturn dealership, and they have a charging station, but no storefront. Um, They say the car maker opens two different types of facilities, stores and galleries. Both stores and galleries, you know, is this place where interested people can go there, but apparently there are barriers in Connecticut. Um, you would you would like to be able to do it, but you cannot place an in-person order for Tesla in Texas, Arizona, Maryland, or New Jersey. They have te- Tesla galleries. You can come in, you can look at all the you know stuff, you can get your questions answered, etc. But you can't discuss price. You can't test drive. You can't order, all because of state laws. In Michigan, they say the laws are so strict 
that they prohibit Tesla from even opening a gallery, thanks to a provision backed by the state's dealership organization. You know, you crony guys, you car dealers, you know, basically I think now, before, I'm not going to shop for a new car for many years because I'm on a budget, but when I do, I am going to look and see whether there is knowledge available as to whether a car dealership that I went to is in favor of blocking stuff like this. That's what we can do. We can, you know, spend our dollars accordingly. Oh, your own is done, so maybe some people are going to come over here. But we were talking about the net neutrality stuff earlier. They were excited about it. Maybe, you know, the last few minutes, the stuff that we're going to discuss is more appealing to people because what do you talk about with net neutrality? You talk about the doom and gloom. You know, we, we haven't mentioned mm-hmm. Islam once today. Mm-hmm. We haven't mentioned Islam once. Not once, you know, once I've mentioned Islam today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, now we have. I have mentioned Islam. Now we have. Uh, I, I wanted to talk about uh, Craig Biddle's article, but um, I think we should wait maybe. For yeah, the, we're gonna we're gonna do it next week yeah. so we can do it justice because Islam jihad and Western because faith. of the horrible injustice done to us this week by the FCC. Um, dealers are on the offensive, says this car and driver article. Underneath a red splattered icon that vaguely resembles uh, Tesla's logo font, hmm. and features an image of a crashed car that is definitely not a Tesla. TeslaCrash.com brings the reader two things, a scrolling list of headline links to Tesla horror stories and a statement from Jim Fleming, president of the Connecticut Automotive Retailers Association. Connecticut. So basically, if you're in Connecticut and you're thinking of doing business with anybody who is a member of the Connecticut Automotive Retailers Association, maybe don't do it. Quote, we don't understand why Elon Musk wants to introduce legislation that would circumvent the auto laws and the rules that we all follow. Hmm, maybe he wants to make money free of government guns pointing at him. He wants to act according to his own judgment and support himself. No, that's not allowed. Anyway, that's 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 enough of bad news. I wonder if I have... Oh, yeah, we have... Okay, one more thing that I'll complain about a little bit, but I think the... My response is is apt. Did you watch the Oscars? I watched some, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you got to watch a bit as well. I didn't get to watch all of it, so unfortunately, I didn't get to see Neil Patrick Harris's joke about Snowden not being yeah. able to attend for some treason. Yes, that's, that's a great pun. It's a great pun, and apparently, great apparently, line. Snowden took it in stride because there was a Q and A the following day, and he says, you know, look, if I'm not willing to be called a few names in order to do some good for my country, then yeah. You know, what am I? And and that that's the difference, right? Some people said, oh, he should, he should come and stand trial. No, but he should be willing to be called a few names and, I mean, and not be, you know. The best picture was Whiplash, but they decided, you know, to call it Birdman instead. I mean, <laughs> but they they said the word Birdman, but it actually meant Whiplash. Yeah. And uh, the imbecile, and I will keep, you know, Sean Penn walks up there, probably drunk, who knows what, starts yapping away, and you, you look at him, and the guy looks, really sick. I mean, he's a sick guy. And then he starts mocking the winner. And he says something about uh, how this son of a bitch get a green card. You know, it, it was, uh, I think, a Mexican guy or something, a, a foreigner who won. Well, you know why he did that? Uh, why? He's basically saying, look, we all value yeah, the products from immigration. This is my, no, 
No, no, you mean you mean Sean Penn? Yeah, because he's in favor of open sure, immigration, but right? He's like, I want an American to win, and this is in my town. This is Hollywood. That's what that's what it seemed like. Cause tw- I think he made two well, two remarks against uh, foreigners too. No, but I think he was doing it as a joke. Uh, no, he doesn't joke. He is a joke. Okay. Sean Penn doesn't joke. Well, I, I mean, he that's... is uh, you know relentlessly, disgustingly sincere in his. Uh, Inanity. I mean, he's always serious. He, he, he don't joke. Okay. Well, I'd have to go look at it again because I get. I also, didn't... son of a bitch. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I just by the way he delivered it. Nah, it's not a joke. Something's wrong with him. But besides that, I'm very surprised at that one Best Picture. Technically speaking, I like Michael Keaton. I think he did a good a good job. But Best Picture? Are you? Kidding I, I me? think you know a number of people attributed it's it a rightly. Weird movie. Well, but it's one that appeals yeah, yeah. to the people in Hollywood because yeah. it's about them, right? It's about them. Congratulations in a lot of ways, yes. Right, right. So I, I think that was right. If Whiplash was about an actor with an acting coach, yeah, that would have won. Oh, yeah. Now, do you even remember, oh, Patricia Arquette was up for a supporting actress? Yeah. yeah. It was called Filming a Movie in 12 Years. That was yes. the name of the movie? Yeah, yeah. That was right. That was right. So she got up and gave her a little spiel yes. about wage inequality, which yeah, has yeah. been debunked completely. completely. I have sent an article out there that you sent me. It was Uh from The Blaze, right? From The Blaze. So The Blaze is not a right-wing publication by any means, and yet they were saying... Well, it's... um, No, no, it wasn't The Blaze. What was it? No, something else. Daily Beast? No. Maybe The Daily Beast, which is, you know... It was was a liberal publication, so it wasn't The Blaze. No, it wasn't. It was probably Daily Beast or Huffington Post, maybe even. No, it wasn't half post. Okay. Anyway, because they're so they're pretty decent. Sometimes. People people can find it on the don't let it go on her page. But the, you know the issue was is there wage inequality and this has really been debunked long ago. There is not. But the funny thing was you know she is giving this speech and you know twenty thirty minutes before that Neil Patrick Harris made this awesome joke about the fact that Oprah made more money than like half of the <laughs> assembled people in the theater. Yeah. He says. You know, something like there's Oprah and then, you know, the wealth of like this half of the theater over here. And it was established that Oprah, a black female, makes more money than anyone, one individual who attended Oscars 15 of any race, sex, whatever. And here's Arquette. Oh, you know. And, of course, she makes money, too. But Right. Enough is crap. Enough. She should be happy for herself. She won Best Actress. Accept that and walk, walk away. And go spend your money, yeah. your millions. So, but they they won't cease trying. They're going to keep yeah, put, yeah. pushing this egalitarian message until there's basically no more wealth to destroy. So, right. yeah. Yeah, I mean they 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 will never stop, no matter how much they make themselves, no yeah. matter no matter the uh, the uh, the truth, the facts. Right, right. Now I have a good news story that came from Rob Abiera. So thanks for sending these every so often. It does make my day to see this. It does also make me think that when um, it was the Gallup poll, I I put a link to it in a prior show last week or two about the Gallup did this poll of what are the best states to live in around Mm -hmm. the country. And they surveyed all these people about how satisfied they were on a variety of fronts with living there. I assume that when they polled people in Oklahoma, they did not talk to Rob Abiera because Mm -hmm. he seems to be pretty excited about what the government there is doing to at least try to counter some of the worst things out of the feds. And this one is a an article from the Tenth Amendment Center. Oklahoma House Committee votes six to nothing to turn off resources to NSA spying. It's 
says a bill that would turn off state support and resources to the NSA cleared its first hurdle today with a unanimous committee vote. And an Oklahoma Republican, excuse me, Representative Lewis Moore introduced the, um, excuse me, quote, Oklahoma Privacy Protection Act in January. And this would ban, quote, material support or resources from the state to warrantless federal spy programs. I love it. This is wonderful. It would not only support efforts to turn off NSA's water in Utah, but would have immediately, excuse me, immediate practical effects on the implementation of some federal surveillance programs if passed. It cleared the Oklahoma House Senate, excuse me, House State and Federal Relations Committee by a 6-0 vote. Quote, if you have a government entity, city, county, or state, you should have an expectation that they are protecting your rights your privacy, Moore said, during a short hearing before the vote. Uh, It goes a step beyond another uh, previous incarnation. It says it not only bars state cooperation with agencies like the NSA, it also addresses corporations that provide material support to the spy agency. Any corporation supporting NSA spying would be ineligible to bid for any state contract, forcing it to choose between violating your rights and securing lucrative business opportunities with the state. Bravo. This is awesome. I wish more states would do it. But, of course, I am sure that California, my state, is one of the states that Ajit Pei was referring to in his statement about the FCC takeover. He was saying that there are a number of states who are already planning where they're going to spend the extra money that's going to be collected in the new Internet broadband taxes. So that's not my state. The problem with Oklahoma, only for me, Rob, is the weather. It would be very tough. But your uh, your continued postings are making it seem very attractive government-wise. Oh, Where, yeah. Where's that from? <laughs> where's that from? That is another good really? thing that I wanted to talk about today. Let me. Uh, here's a quotation from a show that appeared. It was a season finale that appeared on television, or for those of us who have no cable, Hulu, this week. I know my value. Anyone else's opinion doesn't really matter. Yeah. End quote. That was a Peggy Carter, Captain America's girlfriend. Yep. Now, we won't tell you all no. the other spoilers and stuff like that. And but also some questionable choices by no, the no. writers. Well, you know, I, I wasn't going to talk about this yeah. until the very end. Okay. And and now what we've so, done by bringing that up now, you sure. know what we've done? What, we, what have we done? So we have, and and to an extent, Rob actually did this to me because he posted about this on the Don't Let It Go on her page. About that quote? Well, yeah, he, he did. He, he put that quote there, which I'm I'm happy that he did it, but he did it the very night of the yeah, thing, and I often right. don't see these things till the next day because I'm doing Hulu. So I started to read the post that he left on the Don't Let It Go on her page because he always posts good stuff. And he said, you know, in the season finale of uh, Agent Carter, she says, and I didn't read what she said, but I was like, oh, gosh. So I already had in my mind that I should be kind of on the lookout for a good right. statement. Now, what you've done clear. is there's some people who haven't what, watched it. What I've done. Well, no, no, no. All I do is show you a quote. You I know, it. but I read it. It's like. <laughs> I'm not the government. I don't have a gun to your head. Puppet, you know, puppet. I'm just a puppet. No, but it's a great line. I'm sorry. I was a puppet. Delivered it's late by in the show. a great character. My willpower. I mean, she's a great character. Evan Pagan teaches is ridiculous. She's one of the best characters coming out of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I mean, flat out, she's just. I mean, she's really good. She's strong. She's attractive. She's 
The writers sometimes make bad choices oh, with respect man. to her, but she's a great character. Especially at the end, yeah. something when well, come let's, face let's, to face. No, no, no. Don't, don't, don't. Not yet, not yet, not yet. You don't do Not that. yet, not yet. Please wait. But overall, no more, no more spoilers. Overall, very happy with the yeah. series. I enjoy it. I'm looking forward to hopefully, hopefully a continuation of it. Uh, Agent Carter. It's uh, available, you know, iTunes, Hulu. You can watch it. I don't think you watched the entire season on Hulu, though. I think they knock off the first few episodes. Yeah, five yeah. episodes is all they retain, I think. It's pretty tight, too. It's pretty mm-hmm. tight. It was only eight, eight episodes, so they put everything they had into it. I really like it. Yeah. That was fun. It was cute. Yeah. So, something else. Something that may, you know, provide some good value to your life. And so check it out as and when you would like to. And we can also have a discussion about this. Oh, Rob says it's snowing right now in Oklahoma. Woohoo! Yeah. Now, you know, um, I know people who live in Oklahoma, and I see Facebook posts from them, and they say, oh, maybe we'll get a snow day. So Friday afternoon is like the worst time from the perspective of these people who want snow days to have the snow coming down. Why? Because they were already at work, and then they just go home, and then they deal with the snow, and they don't even get the payoff of being able to stay mm-hmm. home from work. This was the attitude of some people. So, um, you know, again, there's a lot of us who sometimes we are working at jobs where we wouldn't mind having a snow day where we can stay at home. Maybe they don't have a nice work at home policy uh, where it's more flexible and things like that. But yeah, so no snow day for them. But yeah, okay, so let's let's talk about, I just wanted to give you a recommendation. And it is I mean, I think I think it's a nice little book. This is a book that was recommended by Alex Epstein, who is now a two-time guest and interview uh, subject on Don't Let It Go Unheard. And recently somebody asked him for a recommendation of time management book, and this is the book that he recommended, and it's called The One Thing. And it, you know, I've got a link to it. If you go to my blog at don'tletitgo.com, there's a link to Amazon. The book is also available on Audible. So if you wanted to hear it on audiobook, then you can go to the link that's just below the book form. And if you don't have a subscription already, you can start a free trial. And you can actually use the one thing if you want as your free trial item. You might want to do something bigger and more expensive as your free trial item, like, for instance, Unabridged, Atlas Shrugged or something, right? But With Christopher Hurt reading it, mm-hmm. not uh, the only guy. Now, do they have the Hurt version? I don't know. I'm not sure Maybe if they not. do. Maybe not. Anyway, we could look and see. But the one thing, nonetheless, it's it's a cool thing, and it's got a couple key ideas that I wanted to just tell you about. One of them, and, you know, again, all of this time management stuff, a lot of it is about people trying to do too much. And, in fact, your own Brooke was complaining the other day on his show about the fact that he – takes on too many things and that his procrastination, as he described it, is rooted in the fact that he's got so many different things he doesn't know where to start. And I'm in that camp, like I'm all also tend in that direction because there's so many awesome, cool things you can have ideas about doing in the world that's going to make the world a better place, doing stuff that you love doing. But I don't think I'm really as bad off as, as he is. I mean, he's got so many things on his plate. I have no idea how he does it. But here with the one thing, obviously they're urging you to focus, focus on very limited activities and spend most of the time doing that. So they rehash some of the things that you're familiar with, the 10,000 hour rule, the idea that it would take 10,000 hours to achieve mastery. And that if you spent 
I think it was, you know, three hours a day. It would take maybe 10 years to do this. If you spent four, you could make it a lot shorter. There was some math and stuff. You could you could take a look at it. But there are a couple key ideas that I liked. One was there's something called the focusing question that the book urges you to ask as you're going through your daily life. And it is, what is the one thing that I could do right now such that it would make all of the other to-dos that I have, all the other things I want to get done, either easier or unnecessary. So what is what is the one thing that I could do right now such that it would make all the other things that I have to do easier or unnecessary if I did it? And there's a lot of different ways that doing a particular task might make other things easier or unnecessary. It might be in Brian Tracy's language, the frog, you know, the big yeah. eat that frog thing, yeah. you know, where where it's just sort of a distasteful thing that is bugging you and My you've got to get it off your, right? And then if you do it, then other things are so going to... It's about focus, more or less. Not just about time, it's about really focus. Well, I mean, it, it, it's a about it's it's just giving you a different way to think about prioritizing and it's giving you permission to focus on what he calls your one thing now you ask the focusing question on a daily basis but in a broader context they urge you to think about you know what is your one thing what is the one thing that you are pursuing in your career for example what is your one thing and I've been, you know, kind of batting around formulations of what my one thing is. And I finally came up with this formulation thanks to uh, input from a couple people. One who is in my group, you know, there's a number of us who are going through the Evan Pagan Wake Up Productive. And one of the people in the group actually gave me awesome feedback on an earlier formulation, trying to make this very concise. And let me see if I can recite it, wrote off the top of my head. It is using my objectivist framework to communicate ideas and information to people so as to, you know, no, to people so as to provide tremendous values to people. No, wait, okay, sorry. I I got messed up. Okay. I should have have this in front of me. Um, Okay. Using my objectivist framework to communicate ideas and information so as to provide tremendous value to people who share my values. How do you like that? Is that a good one? Yeah, it is. So using my objectivist framework to communicate ideas and information. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, and again, you try to think of the statement that encompasses all of the things that you are properly interested in doing as part of a, you know, unified, integrated career. So if I have like a fantasy about going totally off the grid and doing developer boot camp or something, that does not count in there. And so, you know, if you really want to focus and hone your art and insofar as the FCC is going to continue to allow me to pursue my passion in communicating ideas, then I have to focus on those things, right? So that's one thing that it does. I think coming up with that formulation of your one thing. So then what you do is you say, okay, what am I going to do in the next five years that is along these lines? What are my big goals? Then what are my big goals over the next year to make sure that I get there in, in five years? And then break that down. What are the goals on you know a quarterly, a monthly basis? And then finally you get down to that focusing question in order to meet those goals. You know, what is 
what is the one thing I can do right now? And so so the issue of the focus, focusing like on that. focusing on one thing, a statement of your one thing that integrates integrates yeah. the things that you do in we your will, career. We we can all be great in one thing. I mean whatever it is, I mean someone might not even be aware of it, but to start asking themselves those questions right. might actually lead them to find their their one thing. So obviously there's a there's a value in, in that. But then the other thing that I like about that focusing question is it is an expression of the principle of fundamentality. A lot of us who study objectivism, we come across maybe in our study of logic and where you learn about defining terms by genus and differentia. I don't know if you remember doing this stuff, but I did some of this with Leonard Peikoff's logic course. And if you are trying to come up with the differentia, the part of the statement, like so for example, for man, we are the rational animal. The genus, the general type of thing we are, is animal. The differentia is rational. Why? The rationality of human beings is the characteristic that describes most of the other differentiating characteristics of human beings versus animals, right? So similarly, you know, look at your day. You say, well, really, what is the fundamental thing that I could be doing today, the thing that is going to have the biggest effect on all the other items I've got on my to-do list? So, for example, um, you know, suppose I have to clean the house or something. If I, you know, do my one thing well enough, I might make enough money so that I could hire somebody to help me clean my house and make part of that unnecessary. Or if I do my one thing and it's something that I have been procrastinating on or something, then I'm going to have such a surge of energy because I'm going to feel good for having completed this that it's going to make a lot of other things on my to-do list easier just by virtue of that fact, right? So energy-wise. So there's ways that that formulation works. You know, what? how, how is doing this one thing going to make my other to-dos easier or unnecessary? So I like that. And then the other thing they talk about, and people are going to have to decide how much they think it's true in their own life. It is the issue of a domino effect. And the author at some length describes an experiment that was done with dominoes. And the first domino is a certain size. And then the next domino is twice as big. And the next domino is twice as big, etc. And they were able to have this long chain of dominoes, each succeeding domino twice as big as the prior one, and have it work. So you start by just knocking over one little tiny domino. And at the end, there's like this huge domino that you've knocked over. And it's a metaphor for this idea that if I, you know, focus on this one properly chosen task at the beginning of the day, it's going to have this domino effect on all the other things that I have to do. So, so, you know, obviously these books, a lot of it, if you are you know, a scholar or just a frequent consumer, you might call it, of the time management or self-help sort of genre, a lot of the concepts will seem familiar to you. If you're reading, or excuse me, if you're listening to the audible version of the one thing, there's a country song in the beginning, you might say, "Eh, I didn't really need to hear that. That was the one thing I didn't (laughs) want to hear, so I'm not going to listen now. You can fast forward through it or whatever. But... um, but, you know, you're going to get something out of it. But I thought it did provide, you know, some interesting angles like on things that we already knew in like a way. And also, it's not just for those to find their one thing. It's that those who are doing their one thing but aren't really conscious of exactly what that is in terms that they can say, yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. They might find out through just, just thinking about it. That's what I provide. That's what I do. That's my thing. That's my one thing. 
I think that's great. I think it's important to yeah. find what you're. So how? Is. I mean, put you on the spot. How would you describe your one thing? I mean, I just uh, thought about it. I think you asked me. I just couldn't really put it as well as I wanted to. Um, writing and drawing, finding out the truth, writing and drawing it, um, the truth, and going after evil. I mean, just just fighting evil through it. But basically, it's, it's I mean, it begins with just writing and and telling the truth. That's something I, I've always. It was one thing ever since I was a kid. Just uh, focused on and love was the truth. And I think that's what led me out of Islam and into objectivism. See, I like I, I, I like the idea of the positive focus on the truth versus right. like oh, fight evil. Yeah. I don't know if you want to make your one thing necessarily no. self formulated about it, a battle, even though there's a well, lot of battling to be done. But today. if you think about it, if you focus on the truth, if you want to tell the truth, show the truth. You are fighting evil, just by that alone, because right. evil is dishonest. It's it's fundamentally dishonest. It is against reality. It's it's against nature. It's against truth. That's what that's why they're evil. Right. Um, so I, I mean, it's still sloppy, but I have a, 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 an idea about that. I mean, I I do. I, th- I think having an explicit formulation of it is myself at least. I I found it helpful. Just formulated find, this week. Finding the truth, expressing it through my art, and therefore eventually, inevitably, fighting evil through my art. You know, I, as a kid, I mean, you got the. You, Sorry, post 9-11 also, this idea that it would be appropriate to me to fight, you know, to have a, to go fight Lex Luthor as a villain, that didn't cut it. you got to fight the, those who fly planes into buildings who cut heads off, who are the most obscene villains possible. You can't, we can't even create them. I mean, there, there are no super villains that are as bad as, as what's going on today. So why not focus on them and try to bludgeon them out of existence? Now, you know. Even in fiction. Yeah. Now, now formulating your one thing is probably nothing that anybody here who's listening is just going to do off the cuff. Although maybe you've already done it. So if you have and you wanted to call and you wanted to share it or you want to post it here in the chat room at Blog Talk Radio, Hurry that up. is fine. <laughs> Rob, Rob Rob, over here in the chat room, by the way, thanks, Rob, for those stories. Uh, he says, oh, it's not in excess, the song, The One Thing. No, there's another song that they played. I guess they got permission to include it in their Audible book. It's, it's a country song. So you're from Oklahoma, Rob. You might like it. I don't know. It's not what I have grown up with. I mean, I didn't find it horrible, but it was a little cheese. There's one thing that I wanted to say about the review of the One Thing book that uh, is a a little bit negative. And in in one uh, chapter towards the end, they're talking about, you know, having this motivation, um, you know, what what to think about in, in effect to get you geared up to go after your one thing and to consistently pursue your one thing and to prioritize your early time blocks of the day to getting to those things, right? You know, you want to put stack at the beginning of the day where you have the most willpower. This is something we talk about with Evan Pagan a lot. You've got the most willpower in the beginning of your day. You want to stack it with those high-value activities. And, And that focusing question is a great way to say, okay, what is it? It's a great way to think about you know, what your activity Most is. Willpower, no doubt, but also what I do in the morning, first thing I did, wake up in the morning, work out before I could talk myself out of it. And so there's also a little less well, willpower. Well, right, and, and you might say when you first wake up, the thing to do Keep right then fall. is, well, yeah, yeah. Or do that workout. Why? Because it actually will make exactly. you know, everything else in the rest of the day easier from a certain perspective. So, um, no, but here, here's here's the one thing that I didn't like when they were talking about motivating yourself by thinking about what you would regret on your deathbed if you didn't do it. I like Stephen Covey's 
approach, mm-hmm. which has to do with writing yourself an epitaph yes. uh, You know, at the end of your life, speaking positively about what you're going to be happy about in your life. I, I like, I like the well. positive versus the, the negative yeah. focus. Otherwise, I do recommend more, the one it's more, thing. It's more motivational also. Yeah. Um, you can, if you don't want to spend money on the book, go to the website. And I put the link to the One Thing website over at my blog at don'tletitgo.com. So, again, I urge you go over to the blog. We can continue the discussion. You can post formulations of your One Thing. We can do a little bit of feedback back and forth if you're interested in doing that. You can comment on anything else on the show. You can take the survey if you haven't let, uh, done that yet. Subscribe. Subscribe at my blog by email if you want to fight the FCC with me. And finally, uh, do support the show if you can. Uh, financially, we always appreciate it, and we love uh, you know, getting the support from those always, of you who have done it. We it. really you. do appreciate it, and we thank you. So have a good weekend, everyone. And now I want to listen to your own Brooks CPAC yeah. show myself. So take care, everyone, and we'll talk to you next week.